0: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports.
1: Well, gentlemen, happy Monday. Uh, Some sports to watch over the weekend, that's for sure. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Kentucky Derby in a minute. We're going to talk about the NFL draft and football, the global version of that over In Europe, man, the Super League, that whole controversy is not going away. Let's start with the Derby, though. We were really happy last week, and if you didn't catch the conversation, uh, we caught up with Bill Karstangin, who runs Churchill Downs. He was pretty optimistic about what was going to happen at the Derby. And, you know, Lynchy, I I think he got his wish in terms of... It was a good race, and a lot of people were there. We were joking before we came on the air here that uh, it felt like more than 51,000, they definitely <laughs> staged them correctly, I guess. I don't know. What did you think?
2: I think that oh, I think that at about <clears throat> quarter of six, they just told all the security people at the gate, just leave your post and let anybody in that wants to come in. Yeah. And good for them. It, it looked a, a great festive atmosphere. Um, we presume most of those people, all of those people, have been vaccinated because very few were wearing masks. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, outdoor policy is in the state of Kentucky, but this is the second best handle they've ever had. Uh, from all sources, they handled $287 million in bets, which is only uh, second to 2019. I mean, when they had uh, about 250 million walk up, and the week's handle was. Three hundred fourteen million, which is the second best of all time. So, people were itching to come back. They proved it. They put their money where their mouth was.
1: Well, and you know, Michael Barr, we talked a lot with Bill about this last week, and I really do recommend the conversation because it was it was largely about you know took place right there in your wheelhouse, your sweet spot, which is the the gambling world, and I mean. This is a gambling event in, in many ways. Obviously, it's a cultural event. It's a sporting event and things like that. But as Lynchy just laid out by the numbers, this is a proxy, it feels like, for how enthusiastic the broader world of gambling is.
0: Oh, yeah. And and I tell you something else that's going to happen. You're going to see more of the broadcast. You're going to see more of the card before the Derby. Did you see the race before the Derby? I guess the old Forrester bourbon turf classic whatever mm-hmm. it is that was a dead heat yeah. the race was a dead heat and i'm like oh my goodness it's like people now are going to be watching those races before my family was asking well how many races are on That's you know i said wow it's the fact is for years we just had the kentucky derby and that was it on television and now we're seeing the the races uh before and and, and before the derby and i think that's going to be a thing that's going to be staying for a long time
1: I got to tell you, Lynchy, this surprises me to, to, to some extent, because if, if you told me even five years ago that, you know, it's going to be a very vibrant sport come 2021, it's going to be horse racing. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. because the other element is, and this went largely unnoticed because we were, you know, in the midst of the, really in the teeth of global pandemic, but... Um, Go figure. Horse racing, not the cleanest sport in the the world. There's been a lot of controversy. And even the trainer who won, Bob Baffert, he's been investigated. I mean, that guy, that dude's been investigated a lot, but still some controversy. And yet we keep coming back. Not only do we keep coming back, but more people are coming to the sport. Does that surprise you?
2: Not, not with the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Uh, I think with general and horse racing, we think it's a sport. It's, it's a dying sport, but not with the Kentucky Derby because this is one of the uh, American great events, like the mm-hmm. Indy Five Hundred, the Daytona Five Hundred, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's a one-day event, and it's if you ask most people what's on their bucket list. I guarantee the Kentucky Derby is on most people's bucket list. It's on mine. I mean, every time I get down there, I say, "I got to go next year. We got to go next year. I got to go next year." And I and I had that same feeling watching all the festivities, the people standing in line at the windows, and you know, there was I'm sure some contactless uh, betting, but those windows, those lines were really long, and those people were (laughs) all looking over each other's shoulder when they were standing there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is funny to see, and and good in, in a lot of ways, to see people out and about and, and cheering on sports. And, and we've, we're getting more and more used to seeing it, especially, you know, as the weather turns nicer and baseball season is in full swing. You know, the Atlanta Braves uh, said over the weekend that in the next couple of days, they're going to 100%. They're at Truist Field, and I'm not sure they're going to sell out Truist Field. Sorry, I'm a Braves fan, like full disclosure, but it's not exactly um, the most robust <laughs> uh, fan base even when they moved to, to the suburbs but uh, it is notable that like uh, a handful of other stadiums and, and arenas down especially in the south uh, Texas the Texas Rangers were the first I mean they opened the season at 100% and this is really important economically bar because butts in seats means dollars especially for the game of baseball and even if your team is, you know isn't so good i'm not talking about any specific team here you oh know, just we can like just say if, the
0: tigers yeah, yeah. Exactly. i mean you know we're dead last but we try to get to that stadium we still want to enjoy uh, an outing and like you said putting bottoms in the seats that means a lot it, it, an afternoon of just watching baseball uh, I, I, I don't care what anybody says it is still a relaxing time it is still a fun time and if you can afford it you can take the whole family out there and enjoy it.
1: Yeah I mean the, there is a there is an element I think and, and we're in this period I feel like you know the people keep talking about the roaring 20s and what people are going to spend their money on as we get back to a little bit of normal and it's going to be you know, we're going to go right back to experiences and you know we talk about baseball probably more than the average person on this show because we're all baseball fans. I mean, there is something special about the game. I really hope that they can continue to figure it out. I was up watching my son's lacrosse game on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it was one of these nice Saturday afternoons in the burbs on the high f- high school complex where you know they were playing on the football the cross field and then just down below the baseball team was warming up and there is something i think for um candidly especially for sort of men of a certain age which which we all are give or take um you know about seeing that that green grass in the outfield and there is still a lot of money in in baseball there's still a lot of fandom they feel like they're squandering it almost every day <laughs> but um but i think they'll get their Lynchy. I'll tell you who is not squandering it right now is the NFL. The NFL mm. draft, which has become a must-see event, was even more must-see this year. A lot of drama heading into it, some off-the-board drama, as it were, with Aaron Rodgers. We could talk about that in a second. But the draft overall, incredibly watched. Uh, watched more than the Oscars the previous Sunday, which I think is mind-blowing, in many ways, but for good reason. There were there was a lot of movement, a lot of star players. This is why football continues to be the number one sport in America, Lungy.
2: And they know how to do it. This this rotating around city to city with the draft is is really a, a great, great idea. I thought was, they were crazy when they moved out of Radio City Music Hall. I thought that was a great venue, but this is enormous, and they had a great deal of drama this year. You had the five quarterbacks, and and it really worked out for our New England Patriots uh, when San Francisco took the, instead of taking Mac Jones, took the quarterback from North Dakota State, and that just let Mac Jones slide all the way down to number 15 and just right into the hands of Bill Belichick. Um, enormous interest uh, an enormous amount of people watching an enormous amount of money being dealt out to the first round picks
1: and so interesting barb i mean one of the things that struck me i was looking at a graphic this morning about how rich uh or or, that's not the right word but uh, how well represented i guess the power five and especially the (coughs) sec were in this draft class once again the sec the number one conference in terms of players in the draft. And you ask yourself, so why did division one football and especially the power five push so hard to play football in the fall, even though students weren't on campus, even though they were putting people's health at risk and many of the players were willing to do it. This is why this is the end goal for the top programs and the top players. They want to go pro and those schools, they put teams on the field and you know, not as luck would have it, but as expected, they end up getting drafted.
0: Oh, like you said, it, it, it is, I, as a fan now, my mindset is seeing the games in the fall. Because I want to see, all right, this guy's going to go here, this guy's going to go there. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence, they like me, they like me. Yes, that happened, just like the <laughs> Oscars. But it, this is something that we talked about this earlier, that there's a lot of money in the in the fall leagues yeah. for for college football, and this is why they played.
1: Yeah, I mean Lynchy, it just is is amazing. I, mean, I do want to do one quick beat though on um, on the Patriots, which you mentioned, because I mean, I don't know. Like I look at that, <laughs> and I think everybody who's not necessarily a diehard New England Patriots fan or a Bill <laughs> Belichick fan just watch that unfold on Thursday night and just said. Yeah, well, we knew this was going to happen. So, by hook or by crook, uh, this was going to happen one way or the other. It's a big pickup in, in many ways. Uh, I'm not sure quite what it says uh, about Cam Newton, except that now they've got options.
2: I think Cam Newton may start the season, or he may not even be on the roster by Labor Day. There's one of those two scenarios. It depends how fast Mac Jones comes along. And someone had a great line here. Everyone thought that the Patriots would have to trade up to get someone like Mac Jones, and they said... Bill Belichick just sat back like Michael Corleone and says, here's my offer. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He winds up with who might be the best. In terms of uh, prototypical professional quarterbacks of the of those five, you know, Mac Jones might be just a notch below Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I keep me honest here. I mean, there have been some comparisons to a – uh, now, yeah. former Patriot who was very, very <laughs> successful there for for quite some years before he took his talents to Tampa Bay, um, Mark Jones is is no joke, and he obviously has played within a very rigorous system at the University of Alabama, and uh, I just it's it's pretty remarkable. Meanwhile, at Michael Barr, Aaron Rodgers stole at least a little bit of the pre-draft. Yeah. Uh, publicity and buzz and all of it when he said I'm not really sure I want to come back to this team now Green Bay is basically saying too bad you're coming back Uh, and I was reading some stuff for the weekend that essentially says he doesn't have that strong of a hand in terms of, of really getting out of there but notable and and I think notable insofar as we're still going to see more quarterback movement which there is no more, there is no bigger sort of economic engine in professional football than who your quarterback is, how much you're paying him, and you know what that positions you to do in the regular season and certainly the postseason.
0: To say that Aaron Rodgers will not be back at Green Bay, no, I'm not going to say that and go out on a limb. But I will say, in order to keep peace in the valley, there's got to be a new contract coming. Yeah, yeah, because it, Aaron Rodgers obviously is. Is not uh, not a happy camper uh, at Green Bay, Uh, and (laughs) I got to say, I know I'm going off the path here. He wasn't bad as a host on Jeopardy, so if he wants to just say, you know what, I'm done, you know, he he could go off and do something like that. So it's I just wonder what Green Bay is thinking now, uh, because this all came out right at the point of the draft. Yeah. Uh, did that affect how they were going to draft or, or what was going on? I don't know.
1: Well, Lynchy, it's interesting, too, that we're seeing, and I was reading about this over the weekend as well, this notion that what seems to at least be trying to come to the NFL, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, is what we've seen in the NBA now for a few years. the The contracts are different. The structure of the league is different. The relationships between – players and owners in the league is different. But, you know, you think about what we heard from Deshaun Watson before a lot of his legal troubles came into play, what we've heard from Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, the most sacked quarterback last season, which, you know, is is not a good thing if you're a quarterback for sure. Um, and now Aaron Rodgers essentially kind of putting their hands up and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. That's a lot easier to do from a running your business perspective in the NBA. It's not so easy in the NFL.
2: No, I mean, the, the Major League Baseball is the easiest place to do right. it. Uh, they, the players have a lot of leverage. They don't in the National Football League. The, they gave up an awful lot of that the last time they had their uh, collective bargaining agreement, which I think was so, I might have given this up back in 2011. That's when they had all their, their different, different draft slots, which is why you never see players holding out the camp because they can't, hold out for any more money it's actually slotted according to the CBA so there's not a lot of leverage to, uh, with national football league uh, players
1: yeah so we'll we'll see how this all plays out with Aaron Rodgers but but again if you do see more of these quarterbacks start to move around especially these marquee quarterbacks and also and Lynch I'm I'm glad you brought it up earlier part of this is going to depend on the summer workouts and and what happens in this time leading up to this season in terms of whether this very robust rookie class is ready to you know start under center uh when when the season starts so we'll keep an eye on that one of the issues we got to talk about which is not going away Anytime soon, clearly, is the aftermath of the Super League, just the disastrous proposal that was put forth by some of the top teams in Europe. Manchester United, they are owned by the Glazers. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they own that fine franchise as well. The Glazers, let's just say they've never been beloved as owners there in Manchester, and they have been the subject of many, many protests. Well, this protest over the weekend was arguably one of the biggest and most impactful that we've ever seen because it actually, for the first time I believe this has ever happened, they basically breached the complex and were in Old Trafford on the field, on the pitch, as it were. They had to delay the game. They had to postpone the The game between Liverpool and Manchester United, these are two of the teams, uh, both owned by American ownership groups. Um, But this was really a protest, mostly in this case against Manchester United. Um, Lynchy, this isn't going away. Um, These guys, these uh, fans, the supporters are not happy about this. It's unclear what sort of change is going to come, but it it felt notable to me that that they are still pretty riled up.
2: Well, they affected change with the Super League, yeah. uh, and they did it immediately. Well, I don't think they'll be able to affect change in terms of ownership here. The Glazers, first of all, said, we're not selling, and then they said, okay, we'll sell. Here's our price tag, $6.5 billion, which is five times or six times more than they paid for it back in 15 years ago. So, uh, But this, the, the, the temperature of, of, of the European soccer fan right now is over 101 degrees. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how do you think this ends, Michael Barr? I mean, as someone who, who watches sports, you know, especially from the fans' perspective, we've talked on this program about how this is not the sort of protest that you would see in America, that's for sure. I mean, American owners have gotten away with worse things than this, you know, most notably, you know, moving entire franchises across the country. They could pull,
0: they could pull a, a, an Ursa, and, and that could happen. You know, it's – see, there's so many problems I've got with this. First of all, yes, I understand Manchester United fans. You're passionate about your team. But you don't go running out on the pitch. Then you destroy television equipment. And then people – you put people's lives in danger running out there. Officers, the staff at the stadium. It's – then – This crazy idea in the first place of the Super League is what brought this on all together. And and I'm just like, you know, gang, it was a great match that was supposed to be Manchester United and Liverpool. And it got all postponed. It's it's nothing wrong with being passionate. But you don't go out there and bust up the cameras and, and all the other stuff out there. I mean enough's enough if, if if you don't want to watch the team then don't watch the team if you if you don't if you want them out you don't go put people's lives in danger because of that I'm sorry I had to get that off my chest
1: yeah I mean Lynch I think the the problem I hear what you're saying bar I mean I, I think the the issue is there. there is a huge amount of frustration um and and I'm certainly not condoning violence in in any sense but you know there is this sense that they they want to affect even more change i mean they they want the glazers to sell the the club i mean that that is for sure what they want um the glazers for the record have said and and reiterated over the weekend they are not going to do that um you know i'm guessing our our friends up at fenway sports group are, are looking at this and essentially saying there but for the grace of god go i um they have largely been up until this Super League proposal, seen as better stewards of their club, Liverpool. They they are the owners of of Liverpool um, than the Glazers have of Manchester United. But um, I I don't know exactly how this ends and and whether this uh, emboldens other teams and their supporters to to continue to, to protest, whether there is legislation that comes, whether there's a change in the ownership rules in the Premier League to go more to a German model where... Essentially, the communities own the teams more outright. Lynchy, I, I just I don't know, and I don't think anybody really knows. But it is it is interesting that, as you say, that the temperature is still very very hot.
2: I did an American football game over in Limerick, Ireland, uh, Fordham University against Holy Cross University, and John Morris, a, a former Patriot player and an alumni of Holy Cross, and I were the, the broadcast team, and we got to the stadium, and. There was barbed wire separating the grandstand from the pitch. Now, we played on, they played it on a hurling field, which is they probably, probably needed for the hurling fans. But we were just absolutely stunned that there was barbed wire all the way around. And the, and the, 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 the grandstand went from one end zone and wrapped around all the other end zone. It was like a big, uh, big question mark. And that gave me my first sense of the passion of the European sports fan. And yeah. it was a little bit, a little bit shocking. I'm not saying you have to put barbed wire up now, but I would think when these games go forward, especially Manchester United, uh, no fans allowed, uh, no matter whether everyone's vaccinated or not, because they have not demonstrated that they can behave themselves. And I, don't, I would not be comfortable if i was an official on the field or if i was a player on the field
1: this is why we can't have nice things we'll see what happens for sure well uh a lot more sports coming up this week gentlemen
0: this is the bloomberg business of sports podcast i'm michael barr on twitter at big bar sports and i'm mike lynch you can follow me at LynchywCB.
1: And I'm Jason Kelly. Find me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports.
0: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.